Thank you so much for joining us on another week of Surviving Creativity. I'm your co-host, Corey Cassoni. I'm joined every week by Brad Geiger and Scott Kurtz. It's a show where we talk about following your dreams, becoming your own boss, and surviving the process. Surviving Creativity is made possible by listeners like you. If you like what you hear, head on over to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and please consider becoming a patron. You can also now find us on iTunes so you can listen however you'd like. Just head on over to iTunes and search Surviving Creativity. Last week's episode got us thinking a lot about conventions and how they've changed over the years, particularly in regards to the audience that's attending. Combined, Brad Scott and I have over 30 years of conventioneering under our belts. So we sat down and decided to talk it out. It's an interesting conversation. We know you're going to like it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of Surviving Creativity. Yeah, it's so much news to catch up on. Where do I mean? Where do we even start? Convention stuff, probably. The, I really am. I got a hair up my butt about the convention stuff. Well, that's a good uh, place to start. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, let's see. What kicked it all off? It was a letter from the yeah. wife of. I hate to bring that part of it up, but yeah, it's what started. Well, the, it up. but that's what started the the external conversation it's internally so comic pros have been cons- talking about this yeah. for a long time it's not it's not like we haven't been having this discussion what started it for me was rose city comic-con mm. which is about a week before dave dorman's wife even wrote the letter or maybe it was the same week but uh but basically what happened is dave dorman is a painter and you've seen his work if you've read any of the star wars uh comics or uh Extended universe stuff. Dave does a lot of Star Wars paintings. That's probably his biggest uh-huh. claim to fame. But uh, he's a painter and an illustrator, and he attends a lot of conventions. And his wife basically wrote. Um, his wife made the mistake of breaking the cardinal rule of conventions. Uh-huh. Which is when someone comes by and says, "So how's the show for you?" No matter <laughs> how you do it, you say, "Great, fucking, fucking rolling in it." Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't. We we ran out of places to put money. <laughs> in the immortal words of Phil Folio, you begin to fart butterflies. Yeah, I guess I guess we're gonna skip tomorrow because we're almost sold out of stuff. Really? Because your booth looks like it's full. Nope, we're almost sold out. <laughs> uh yeah she broke the golden rule and just uh and and said uh we're doing really shitty at shows we're doing really crappy at shows and uh it the and and the big thing that she said and that no one's focusing on uh because she mentioned a a current uh internet a buzz buzz buzzword trigger word Mm -hmm. she just said that the 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 um, culture of comic conventions has changed away from people who are a fan of the creators coming to shows to meet the creators and buy their stuff. And that's very true. Um, the, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that the data is even there. Uh, we see it. Uh, we see it. 
in our numbers. And we do great at shows still, despite the fact that the culture's changing. Some shows, not comedy. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think it's an adaptation thing on our part, too, um, which... Uh, you know, not not. Yeah, all we're adapting to shows that our friends' empires built specifically around <laughs> our readers. Uh, I think uh, where she misstepped was she she worded something in a way that sounded like it was placing blame on a certain uh, culture of people that attend comic conventions, and that's cosplay. Well, uh, and that's a dangerous thing to do on the internet. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't yeah. even word it that way. I if you if you want my opinion. Where the blame lies is with the bleeding cool headline, which had her play said, you know, basically that she was blaming the the uh, cosplayers. It was a no, total link bait. Head- yeah, she she Ble- comes there, but the headline was pure and simple well, link bait. For, first of all, bleeding cool is let's let's just say is journalism at its best, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she, I and I love looked, Rich, but come on, she. she she feels she's again. She made the cardinal mistake of speaking what a lot of people feel. Yeah, and, right. And and it's a it's a it's a very big difference between um, what has been spoken out, what has been outspoken previously, which is this whole fake geek girl thing. Um, mm-hmm. Which is like, why are these women dressing up? They don't even read comics. That was not her sentiment. The sentiment is gender aside. Comic book conventions have become a place where people dress up and show up, and it's like uh, it's like a carnival. Mm. Yeah, and there's a I, little th- bit of a, for the creators who are I'm a storyteller, and this is my art. <laughs> it's for a lot of us, it feels like a little bit of a loss of dignity. Like you can't. We thought we were throwing a book fair this weekend, and we're throwing a carnival. Yeah. And and you can't, as Dylan McConus um, said on Twitter, you can't throw a carnival and a book fair at the same place and hope both thrive. And right. all of the creators are like, "This is this is a book fair. I'm here because I'm a writer and an artist, and I make books, and people love my books, and they're coming to buy my books." And you get there, and it's like, uh, "We're a family, and the kids love Iron Man and the Avengers, and they're dressed up in their Boba Man outfits because it's kind of Boba Fett Iron Man. He kind of made his own character, <laughs> and um, we're here for uh, the people that have um, that are cosplaying. We're here for anyone that's got robots that actually work. We're here for the really shitty convention food we paid a hundred bucks to get in for the family, fifty bucks for parking." My wife really wants to meet the guy that was in season three of Buffy, mm-hmm. and the kids are going to want to buy anything that looks like it's the Iron Man's, the Avengers, Batman, which the usually, My Little the My Little Ponies and the Transformers. Right, so that usually means um, uh, the people that just uh, draw shitty fan art of these things and have big walls of fan art that are prints for 10 bucks that they printed at sometimes in the booth they're Mm -hmm. making a ton of money well an interesting point they used to i actually think this last year and the year before i've noticed that there are so many of them now that they're they're spreading the dollar so thin that none of them are doing well anymore sure there used to be just be a handful of those guys and they would clean up right you know they put they essentially put uh you know what optimus prime inside a tardis and slap right. it on a print and sell it for 10 bucks a pop. 
and they and they'd have a shitty printer under the table and they'd be printing them off as people bought them right um they used to clean up but now you look at at some conventions and it's just a row of guys doing that it's true just i mean just a whole aisle of like mashup fan art and which is and really you know what's really interesting to me is no one likes those guys okay no one likes them the the people at the show that have booths don't like them the mm. promoters don't like them and every time i ask a show promoter why don't you deny them a booth the show promoter always says the same thing. Well, that's the job of the copyright holder to tell them they can't sell their stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, and and I always want to say, why don't you just say it's because you don't want to give up the fucking booth money? You know right. what I mean? Like, right. I'm sorry that like there's a lot of problems going on at comic conventions right now, and some of them are important problems, and some of them are not really important problems. But like, don't pass the buck. You know, just say, hey, look, man, I got to fill this fucking place. And again, no one wants, it's the cardinal rule. You just go, well, well, it's the copyright holder's responsibility. Right. Who it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fine line too, right? I think a couple of points to bring up for people that maybe don't exhibit it at, at conventions or maybe don't attend a lot of conventions. Um, the things that I see that are major changes, and I've been doing conventions for like 12 years now, right? Um the people putting on the conventions are changing. Mm -hmm. the, the people exhibiting in the conventions are changing and the people attending the conventions are changing. So what you've got is, uh, and I think it's, I think it, it always comes first and foremost to the people putting on the conventions. So conventions are now filling up and selling out within days of tickets being released. And I mean, conventions anywhere, right? Phoenix comic con is getting huge. They now have two additional comic cons in the greater Phoenix area. Mm. This is Phoenix, Arizona. You know what I mean? Like, and in the middle of summer to boot. So you're talking about going <laughs> to the hottest place. It's like hell's armpit through a comic convention. <laughs> and Everybody showed up. Uh, but you've got you've got a lot more conventions happening and a lot more people throwing conventions because they are selling out and they are filling up. And they are selling out and filling up, not necessarily because there are that many people interested in comics specifically, but because it is my opinion that we're on the cusp, if not already there, that geek culture and pop culture are now the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like you can't delineate that or differentiate no, it's the all two this, it's all mixed it's in. it's all become the same right Come Which on. Is, i mean it used to be that my dad didn't know what lord of the rings was or iron man i mean my dad is and sure. my dad's a special case but yeah. i mean my dad called me last night and said well my warrior hit level 90 now what kind of anticlimactic <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you got to wait. You got to wait a month for the expansion to come out, and then there'll be more. There'll be more. Uh, more and uh, more content. Yeah, and you, you know consume, what he said? Yeah. He said, I still have quests in Pandaria, and I'm gonna save them because when that expansion comes out, there's gonna be problems and it's gonna be shit, and I'll get to finish all my Pandaria quests in the expansion <laughs> that they've worked <laughs> all the kinks out. And he's seventy. He's seventy. Yeah. 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 You see what I'm saying? Like it used to be, it was like, I don't know what my kid's on that fucking computer. And now my dad's like, I'm going to wait, I'm going to save some of these Pandaria quests. And you know, we, they put in a new but, patch but and, and I, they fucked up my DPS. And I'm like, okay, dad. Wow. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he calls me, he calls me all the time now and says things like, uh, um, uh, Hey, uh, when does like, like when does season two? two of arrow when does season three of your arrow hit netflix 
And I and I say, well, season three's on TV right now, Dad. You can watch it on TV. Oh, is that the current season? And I go, yeah. And he goes, all right, I'll just wait. I go, why would you wait for it to be on Netflix? You can watch it every week. He goes, I like to binge watch it. What the fuck? How does my dad, who's seventy, know what <laughs> yeah, binge, binge watch? Binge watch. Yeah, it's like, come on. Everything has become. So everyone knows what Lord of the Rings is. Everyone knows what The Hobbit is. Everyone knows what yeah. comics. It's well, they, all. And- uh, and that's cool, same. right? No, like, it's, it's great. The, def, definitely, don't think we're getting down on this. That's awesome. That means, but that also means here's the, here's the trickle down effect of that. That means these conventions are filling up quickly because people want to go, right? They want to see stuff. They want to, you know, they want to get. And that's why I think the mashup print used to do really well is because you had people who were kind of new to geek culture when it wasn't quite pop culture yet. I'm talking like five, six years ago, right? And they'd walk in and go. You know, holy shit, Optimus Prime and a TARDIS. Yeah. What? These are these two amazing things I just found out about. And it's so funny and so cool. And they'd get it. And that's fine. There's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I have plenty of mashup nerd stuff because everyone has their own nerd thing. Uh, but what's happened now is you have this new flood of people putting on conventions. And the the convention promoter, uh, and I and I think a lot of people don't know who these people are and what their role is. They, they have a really hard job. They have to appease the attendee mm-hmm. and the exhibitor because if the exhibitors are not having a good time if they're not making money or uh, or for and let's face it in a lot of cases we just want a net zero right we just want to break even and spread the word of whatever our product is it's a marketing expense so either we're not breaking even or we're not having a good show or the attendees are not breaking even the attendees are not having a good show and you have to you have to hit this this right balance right so you have to have exhibitors that the attendees want to see but you also have to foster the kind of environment to get the kind of attendees that the exhibitors want and need for their stuff and and i think it's really difficult and there's not many people good at it and with this flood of new conventions because they're selling out at a you know at a hundred bucks a day Hmm. per person with with a small con raking in well you know 30,000 attendees you know what i mean but it's false it's also false advertising look they should do it really great in dallas um, the guys I knew that through the conventions there ran a side business. Okay, so there used to be a during the prequel era, there was a website called theforce.net that was like the premier place for Star Wars news. It was before StarWars.com was big. Mm-hmm. The guys that ran that site uh, lived in Dallas, and they had a side business where they sold signed autogra- uh, autograph photos um, of of media people. So it started off with Star Wars people, went to Lord of the Rings people, but they had a business where online you could buy an autographed picture of John Reese davies as Gimli, okay? And he really signed uh-huh. it. What they would do is they would have conventions in Dallas called Fan Days, okay, Fan Expo Days, uh-huh. uh, or Sci-Fi Expos, called the Sci-Fi Expo. So you would invite some people from Battlestar Galactica, some people from Lord of the Rings... You'd have them at the convention. They would they would meet people, sign photographs there. Then part of their contract was at the end of the show, they would sign 100 photos for them to sell online. Right. Okay. But the name of the convention was the Sci-Fi Expo or Fan Days. It wasn't Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah. And they had a Comic-Con. That had a couple media guests, but the focus of Comic-Con was comics. Yeah. Fan Days and Sci-Fi Expo was media guests. And what's happening now is everyone's saying Comic-Con, and it's all media guests. 
And right. and every show that I'm going to that's getting big, where it's like, wow, this show's getting really big. It's not getting big because comics are there. It's getting big because people are paying money, sometimes hundreds of dollars, to get a photo with a celebrity. Which is great, and I think that's awesome, and I hope those shows thrive, and I want to go to them. But just let me know ahead of time that's what the show is, because when you sell me an exhibitor a table at your Mm Comic-Con, and it's a sci-fi show, then it's not going to (laughs) work. It's like that time my friend drugged me to the Trek Expo. I'm not going to sell comics there. I'll go to a Trek Expo with you. I'll go every day of the week. But please don't make me sell comics there, because nobody wants to buy my comics there. That's not what they're there for. Well, I mean, it, that was one of my worst. I, I always did really well in Philly at the Wizard uh, Convention there, except for one year. And it was the year they had all five captains from Star Trek posing for photos. <laughs> yeah, and right. It was, it, and, and I mean, you know, William Shatner's getting up there and people were like, you know, and Patrick Stewart is no spring chicken. And it's like, how how many opportunities are you going to get to get all of the Star Trek captains? Jonathan so Frakes were- is up to his old tricks again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, people would pay any amount of money for that because it's a it, it's not going to be a forever thing. By the time they got around to my table, unless I was number one on their list, and that's the other thing I always tell people: you got to think, you got to realize where you are on people's lists if you're not number one two and three you may not have such a good chance because by the time they spend their money and you and they get down their list they might just come over and say thanks for the free comic because they've got nothing else that they can afford to do and and that's understandable i I mean it's it's a ridiculously hard economy i get that but what you said is absolutely right. If you if, if they're going to have the five captains, I'm not going to show up because I'm not that high on enough people's lists to make my and money that back. I, and that is, I think, where people like Dave Dorman and Chuck Rosinski, uh, Dave Dorman's wife and Chuck Rosinski and everyone else that's feeling it. And, you know, even Adam, when that, the great thing was, like I said, Dave Dorman's wife broke the cardinal rule. But after she did, it allowed other people to go, oh, thank God, it's not just me. Yeah, and other Adam's people happy were able to she come was out talking and, about and say, Adam, I know what you're talking about. Adam Hughes's wife was like, God, Adam and I went home and we were like, God, am I, is Adam relevant anymore? And Adam's like, maybe I'm not relevant anymore. Adam fucking Hughes, the greatest yeah. cover artist of practically all time, is like, I guess I'm just not relevant anymore. But again, it's, it's one of those things where you shouldn't, it, it's just a bad gauge these days. It's just not what these shows yeah. are about anymore. Look, I, I think that it, it's the it's the uh, man. It's so hard, right? Because exhibitors have to to you know we're not we're not blaming media guests. Like first of all, they they bring butts in the door, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it's a it's a balancing act that these show promoters really have to have to nail. And it's and they're not some people are not very good at it. And I think that the trick for exhibitors mm-hmm. is to get really choosy. With the shows you go to, I mean, I think that I think they're all super good at it. You're, I think you're, I, I think you're being political, and I think that's wonderful. But I think um, uh, here's where you and I can fight, and now you can choose to edit this shit out and post if you want to, and I'll be pissed. <laughs> but I think the show promoters are super fucking good at it because I think there are show promoters that are that have gotten into the business of taking the fucking photos themselves, and then there's show promoters like Shelton Drum who have a comic book show. A st- show. Mm-hmm. And Mark Nathan that have a comic book show. And yeah, they have media guests too. 
But what I'm saying is, the show promoters, there is a balance that has to happen. But I think a lot of these show promoters would be perfectly fine with no exhibitors showing up and they just have the fucking media guests in the back. They'd still make a shit ton of money. And then they wouldn't have to... Well, I think that's true. Yeah. I I disagree with that. Here's... and, and, And one of the things that people have been saying to Dave Dorman is like, look, you need to adapt. Sorry. It's a business. And your business has changed, so it's time to adapt. Mm-hmm. Let me let me give you uh, to all those people that say that. Let me give you a little story. Those of us trying to adapt are are still being fought uh, against. And here's here's an example. We don't go to the San Diego Comic Con anymore. We just don't go anymore. Now I have a booth there. I have a presence there. I have I have a my brand has a presence there. I don't attend. Last year I did not attend. Next year I won't attend. Unless there's a radical change in what the show is, I can't attend anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, from a business perspective, it doesn't make sense. Um, it's too much of an expense in both time and money. Uh, and time kind of turns into money. But let me explain. So the show goes a whole week. You go from Wednesday to Monday. Um, then there's about a week and a half of prep time before. Ah, fuck it. Two weeks of prep time before. Mm-hmm where you're really not getting anything done. And then there's at least half to a full week of recovery afterwards. Absolutely. And, and um, by the way, that's not, that, that's not like uh, anything. It, that's not, that's for a norm, that, that That's for anybody. I mean, that's for you. That's for me. Anybody that does San Diego is going to take a long time to recuperate. That's everyone. You're on yeah. your People- feet from morning till night. There's no way you can do that show and not be wiped out the next week. That's fans attending the show. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> the cost is staggering because every hotel charges three hundred to four hundred bucks a night, and that's when they're a mile out. The food is shit. Everyone ups their prices. Uh, it costs as much to move your merchandise from the loading dock to your booth as it does to ship it from uh, Philadelphia to California. Uh-huh. Um, if it takes you more than a half hour to put your booth up, the unions come out and they charge you to finish it. Um, and then to add insult to injury, no one buys your stuff because that's not what they're there for. (laughs) Right. And to add insult to injury to insult to injury, the politics and web comics is still so fucking retarded (laughs) that your fellow colleagues are fighting you. Mm. Case in point, we get a call from the guy that runs booths at San Diego going, Hey guys, uh, here's a photo of your booth this year. And so we have, my company, Tune Down Studios, has partnered with We Love Fine, a company that makes merchandise. They license PvP and Table Titans. They make t shirts and mouse pads and, and toys with PvP and Table Titans. They also do stuff for Marvel, My Little Pony, Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, Dota. Dota. Bravest yeah, the Warriors, list goes on and on. the list goes on and on. We're one of their licensors. Um, we let them run our booth at San Diego every year, so I don't have to go. This but year, that the, means that our booth has both our stuff and, and other people's yes. stuff in it. And this year, it was mostly Defense of the Ancients 2, which is a very popular video game, and a little bit of PvP. Mm-hmm. Okay? So Justin, this really sweet guy at San Diego who we love, who's always been in our corner... Justin is the most belabored guy at San Diego. <laughs> He's the guy that has to decide 
who gets who gets on the show floor and where they're placed. Yeah. There. So and these, imagine doing that for hundreds and hundreds, I, probably <laughs> thousands of exhibitors. Uh, I, the number of decisions you make, you're like the you're like an umpire times a thousand. No, oh, it's the worst you. puzzle. You move one <laughs> no person, one and you. five other people get cranky because that you've moved them into our zone or whatever. Because everyone, especially at a show like San Diego, where there are so many expenses, all the expenses Scott just described. In addition to that, your location on the floor can dramatically affect what your sales are like. And this Absolutely. is the guy this is the guy in charge of deciding who goes where. I I would not want his job. I don't he must love no, what I he does. No, I don't want to be poor Justin at Justin all. Justin must love what he does because <laughs> he's I don't, been doing it for a while. Yeah, he has. Well, and and real quickly, when we talk about exhibitors who or, or show promoters who care and don't care about stuff, I think it's important to note that everyone that works at San Diego Comic-Con loves comics. They, they really do. do. They mm. do. I mean, they they put they on love WonderCon. The show. San Diego Comic-Con, Ape, uh, I mean, uh, they put on a, a bunch of great shows. So he gets this picture, he has this, He sends us this picture of our booth, hmm. and it's like 98% Defense of the Ancients and like yeah. 1% PvP. That's, that's amazing, amazing, like, with a, as busy he was that weekend, oh, that he was I know. sitting around taking pictures. As busy as Justin was, he managed to go by our booth, and I said, uh, like I said to Corey, like, can you send me the picture? Because I guarantee you the metadata is that's Ryan Somer's picture or someone's Topatico <laughs> or fucking Rich Stevens. And I'll say it to their face, I know you fucking took that picture. So it's, it's like everyone that everyone that still has a has a, I guess, skin in the game at San Diego is like, hey, this is fucking bullshit. How come Kurtz gets to have this big corner and it's mostly the fence of the ancients? And so Justin's like, guys, God, please. Please, I beg of you, uh-huh. you can't have a booth in the webcomic section that's mostly a AAA title game. <laughs> and, and our response to him was, how is that any different from what Topatico's doing? Uh-huh. Like, if Topatico can take Doctor Who and Harry Potter and squish it together and say, this is our webcomic shirt, then why the fuck isn't it okay for me to get the guy that actually has a Doctor Who license and have Doctor Who that shirts? That we actually have the license. Yeah, that's I have the actual really fucking point. license. Like I went, we went out of the way to build a relationship. We actually are the only ones legally allowed right. to sell Doctor Who sh- shirts in that fucking webcomic section. But I'm getting, yeah. uh, out, I'm getting outed. So they're gonna move our booth to a different spot. We won't be in the webcomic section. Which is fine. I mean, t- are they yeah, gonna move you? I haven't heard. Yeah, this they're absolutely. Gonna us, they're gonna absolutely. move us out of webcomics because webcomics has to stay pure. Because so Somer and Topatico and Rich Stevens can keep selling there. What if Calvin and Hobbes was the Walking Dead? Oh my God! <laughs> Read my webcomic about dicks. <laughs> now I mean, it's it, pure. Now in, it gets in, pure. In the defense of all the webcomics people in that area, we we are not. Uh, I mean, we're we're not doing anything against the the. Agreement with Comic Con. This is it's all legal and above board. We have a legal bi- legally binding agreement with this company. We buy and sell their stuff. It's our booth. You know what I mean? Unlike like, you so, guys who have taken Battlestar. Galactica all right, stop it, stop it, stop and, it. But, uh, <laughs> the point is, <laughs> the point is, we're not subletting anything. We're not. It's still our booth. It's our stuff, right? Come at me, but, bros. Come <laughs> at me. <laughs> Come at. But me. we're. But we're misplaced in in the web comics area, which is fun. you're all misplaced in the web comics area because no one's buying your order. Book. You're all out of order. If your name what? is not Phil Folio, you don't belong in the fucking web comics section because he's the only one selling books. 
Yeah, well, oh, yeah. The uh, but I that's the, that story is actually a great example of like the politics of these shows and what the showrunners have to put up with. I mean, oh, God, poor. You Justin. have to understand, like, we how many years have we been attending San Diego Comic Con? Like eight, ten? No, 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 no. I've been going since. 2000. So I was going to say 14 years. I man. pulled out earlier than you guys did, but I've been going since 2000 and I missed the last yeah. two. Well, and, and you know, and we haven't even pulled out. Last year was the first year where we had, you know, we had our guys were in the booth. We weren't even in attendance. The year before we flew out for some signings and some meetings, we'll probably do it again next year. We just didn't have any meetings or anything this year. So there wasn't really such a, reason a to weird go out. show. It's, it's such a unique environment. So I've been to conventions where. I've been to conventions where people don't know who I am but want to buy my stuff because it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, not so much anymore. I've been to conventions where people know who I am but don't want to buy anything. Like Rose City Comic Con was that. It was very much like, oh, God, we're big fans. Thank you sure. so much. I'm broke as shit. I don't have any money. Yeah. Uh, or, well, and then, But I've never had a show where people were like, oh, my God, what's this? Uh, it's a poster about D&D that I made. I Got to have it. Got to have five. Okay, do you want me to sign it? What? I made it. I don't give a shit. That's yeah. That's San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, mm. I gotta have this shirt and that poster, <laughs> and I want that dice bag. This is the guy that made it. Okay, I don't care. Like you sewed that it. That happened. That actually yeah. happened two years ago at San Diego. Scott was at a signing, and this guy walks right up to Scott, and and uh, one of our one of our people was standing behind Scott, and they, you know, I want this and this and this and this, and he's hands all and rings him up and goes, mm. "Do you want all that signed?" This is the guy who made it, and the guy looks right at him. And he goes, "No." Yeah, he's like, what? do you mean? What do you mean? Like you sewed it? And I'm like, no, like those are my cartoon characters. I'm the cartoonist. And he goes, yeah, I gotta get to Hall H. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, like, I can I, I get a, my I change? Can I get my fucking change, please? <laughs> yeah, I do like, not it's have just... time for you and your cartoons. Right. But it, what I'm saying is, at a show for brands, mm. which is not bad. But if it's no. a show for brands, and and I adapt so that I'm selling brands now. Mm-hmm. Why am I getting? Why am I getting phone calls like from a belabored Justin going, guys? Jesus Christ! You can't, you can't put the PVP logo over Dota, and and not have me get these photographs. And I'm like, you tell Ryan Somer that he can meet me in the back, you know? And he's like, guys. And I'm like, no, it's fine. Whatever. Move us. Yeah. Wherever. No. It's. Like, I we mean, don't it's, give a and shit. that's the other thing. Uh, that it makes, right? it like, makes we, sense. I get it. And we, then we're calling. We, we look fine. We're like, what are you thinking? They're like. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had taken so they they had because they you know they have uh, their own booth, another booth uh, that they run themselves, and they had they had put most of our stuff at that booth. I'm like, why would you do that? That's that's your booth. Put your shit at your booth. <laughs> put, it, put our shit at our booth. But what it's are you just doing? funny that even even when you adapt, when you're like, well, I guess if we want to survive at San Diego, we're gonna have to partner with some brand licensor and. And then everyone's like, yeah, right. Who would, um, I mean, this is literally the conversation I had with Corey. Why would those guys give a shit about me? They got Star Wars and Doctor Who. And, and he's like, I don't think you understand that your comic is like, people like it. And so they, mm-hmm. he showed, he gave Guy Brand at Wheel of Find the Awesomeology. And he's like, this is me and my wife. We got to work with you guys. To go through all of that and spend a year building your, you know, building two years. with two years building two with them. Years. So now we can be relevant in San Diego and have yeah, the guy so, in San Diego go. So now we can. So now we can legally do it. Right. I'm sorry, but the author of No Shoes for Tuesday is upset about your booth placement. <laughs> <laughs> but well, what's it, funny is they're going to move us, and you know what's going to fucking go there? Someone t- selling mashup T-shirts. Uh, you right. better believe it. 
Well, and here's here's the thing. Like we, you know, we come at me, bro, lovingly, and and you know, <laughs> bash. You know, we we poke at Ryan Somer and everything. But at the end of the day, like they're adapting too. I mean, you got to at this point, you almost have to do some kind of mashup pop culture, especially at that oh, show. Like oh, you just yeah. have to. In There's gen- not an option. In general, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, I did, I did a, uh, I, I'm in the midst of a storyline right now, and I, it, as a throwaway joke, oh, I had Dr. Elastic Man turn into a weeping angel, and I got email and social media love like you would not believe. It's ridiculous. Like it's crazy. Ridiculous. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? I'm writing some pretty goddamn good storylines here. This is what I'm going to get, a weeping angel? It, 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 all I had to do was put a weeping angel into the strip. <laughs> like, yeah. come on! Come on! <laughs> so so what's really funny is uh, at least three or four years ago, Straub and I went to a concert. We went to like a, a little Pollen Storm concert up in Seattle. It wasn't mm-hmm. Rootstock, but it was like Pollen Storm and their friends, right? And so Paul and Storm are musicians, and they're on stage, and they're singing about things with pop culture references like they have this really great song about George R.R. Martin and how he needs to finish writing his like mm-hmm. like please finish before you die and then at one point <laughs> George R.R. Martin came out on stage and took their guitar and smashed it and told him he'd be finished with the books when he was fucking done and it was great because <laughs> it's you know like it's a pop culture reference and but it's you know it says something that we're all feeling and then George R.R. Martin got in it and like then 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 Molly went up and she sang a song about how Stephen Fry is like the perfect man to her, and she knows that he's gay, but if she would please let her carry his baby, they would make this super intelligent, talented <laughs> person, and she got to sing it for Stephen Fry. And then Hank Green goes up and goes, remember Star Trek? Remember Doctor Who? Remember, you know, like, he's not saying anything, but just like, Captain Picard and the Doctor and the Captain Kirk and I remember and Thundercats and I remember this, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's and, like it's like the Billy Joel, you know, we didn't start the fire where there's nothing to the song except reference after yeah. reference after reference. Yeah, it's just naming things that it's just naming things that people like. Yeah. And uh you know, you see it when Wheaton gives speeches, you saw it on the stage at BlizzCon one year when Chris Metzen was just here's a list of shit that I like. I bet you like it. And then he goes, what about Thundercats? It's, and everyone goes, it's yeah. a fine, it's such a fine line, man. It's such, and, and here's the deal. When people say adapt or die, this is us adapting, right? Mm-hmm. Like the web comics area at San Diego being full of, of like, like uh, mashup fair use stuff. That is the adapting part. You can take that beyond comic conventions. I mean, I've been I've been experimenting with with doing T-shirts and stuff, and 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 the only stuff that is selling on every T-shirt site is stuff that the people have zero rights to do the image. Uh, yeah, you, you, and you go to Red and Bubble, that bring back Inkster.com. It's all Pokemon this and and Doctor yeah, Who yeah. that, and the people have zero rights to do the images. And if, there, and and if you're not a, willing to do that, you can't make money. That's the hard part, right? Is there's such a fine line, like the people, the people in the webcomics area at San Diego Comic Con, they understand fair use and they're they're skirting the line, right? But then these people that are just putting up a booth and selling Doctor Who, that's not okay. Yeah, you know, we did it. Too. We've done it too. I mean. Um, I've done three shirts that I know of that are like that. Um, mm. One is Han Shot First. And I don't know how we got away with Han Shot First. It's really interesting because we did Han Shot First and, and Lucas didn't never, blink, never blinked an eye. 
Mm. Um, yeah, he didn't didn't bother one him of, at all. One of ThinkGeek's top-selling shirts, it's been seen on 30 Rock. I mean, like, it's everywhere. Han shot first. And... It was. It was. There's no one else. It's referring to. It's. It's basically. It's basically saying, "Hey, uh, George Lucas changed it so that Han Solo wasn't a bad boy. He was fired upon, so he was justified in killing Greedo. Right. And we don't like that. That changes the character. We prefer Han to be the the guy that was willing to kill Greedo to get out of the cantina. So we say that he shot yeah. first. And I and and it was totally within fair use. I and it's a, it's, and it's, com- it's a commentary. It's commentary went totally viral. Right. And th- and here's the the just real quickly. Here's the uh, the other side about that is with it going viral like that, we no longer really have control of it. No, you know and what I mean, I've never I've never pursued. Yeah, right, nor have we ever sought to. We no. can't. It's too. It's too open. It's too. It's one of those things that we we and I we can't say we've never tried. I, I've sent a couple takedown notices to a couple people. If the design yeah, is too close, if the design or is the same. If it's well, just I mean, the we, same we, shirt, we uh, we you know we and Think Geek has continued to sell it. Um, when you buy th- uh, the Han Shot first shirt at Think Geek, I get a I get a cut of that because it was my design and they sold it for me originally, but. But the other one was Joss Whedon is my master now. Again, a commentary. But, I mean, I'm making money off of Joss Whedon's name. You know what right. I mean? I mean, it was from a comic strip where my characters are talking about how they can't get behind Lucas anymore. Joss, Joss Whedon is their master now. And, yeah. and then he made the Avengers, which only made the shirt even more true. But mm-hmm. I th- And then the closest we did, I think, is was it Chris did a shirt that said Kid is a Cylon? Because that he, wasn't one of ours. That might have been a Chris shirt. That was a Chris shirt. Um, but we've all done, but, but well, Chris's Stevens shirt it. that got a takedown was, uh, the Kirby Talk to the repulsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The repulsor hand. And uh, then that's just because he, I, I think the image, well, and the idea of the repulsor, uh, well, and, the, and the trademark on Iron Man. I mean, I'm sure they, uh, it, that's, it's too close mm-hmm. because he has like a, it, they have a copyright on repulsor, Ray. Absolutely. I, well, I don't do. know about that, but they, they have definitely a have a trademark on, on Iron Man and it's very, I mean that's that's really skirting the line, and that's one of those things where he could have gone to court and fought it, but I mean you can't fight Disney, right? Who owns Marvel? No, um, they they sent him a cease and desist, and then they made the they made it themselves. <laughs> they made their own shirt the exact same thing. <laughs> Whereas yeah, Lucas Arts or Lucasfilm just made their own Han shot first shirt. Yeah, they just made it. They never, just made their own shirt never, separate from our design. But then Rich Stevens did a shirt that said Chewie is my co-pilot, and they sent him a cease and desist. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's interesting, right? Yeah, well, I, I've said for a long time, it, it, we're just a, a, not that many years away from somebody walking up and down the halls of a comic convention saying, you know, show us your license or, or get out. Oh, already happens, man. It does. It already Absolutely. happens. No, but I mean, yeah. I mean, wide scale. I've heard it happen here and there, but I mean, yeah, I like, mean like that. You, I, I'll tell you why, why this comes to mind. A few years ago, I did Kineticon. And somebody came up and down the aisle looking for sales tax license. And it was the first time that ever happened to me. And if you didn't, you had to sign up on the spot. And there was all kinds of penalties and this and that. And I'm saying it, it, it were not that far from somebody walking up and down table to table like they did that year in Connecticut uh, with licensing. Well, we already I think we already get it because we're partnered with a licensor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's kind of an expected. I, but yeah, I think it's only a matter of time before... Somebody walks around and just they're just handing out essentially takedown notices to people who have shirts up at their booth. Yeah, yeah, it's not that um, far off. 
You know what's really funny is that um, it happened with. Here's here's what really bothers me. Here's who gets it are the people that are accessible. Okay, mm. so there's people selling fan art all over the place. I'm not talking about a commission. I'm not talking about when you pay Brian Hurt a hundred bucks and he draws you Superman. I paid Steve Rude a hundred bucks and he he paid me. He bought me or he drew well, me commission's Superman. different. You're, it's, yeah, you're it's a one time thing. Art for it's private use, work to me. Use. I'm talking about. Right. There are guys that. Don't work for Marvel or DC, and they have a booth of Marvel and DC characters that they drew, mass-produced in prints that they sell for 10 bucks a pop. Meanwhile, meanwhile, someone like Brandon Peterson or Frank Cho or Adam Hughes, all of these guys that um, do work for Marvel, well, they've done work for Marvel, right? They've drawn covers. They've, Yeah, so what they do is they'll make sketchbooks, and they'll sell a sketchbook like... Hey, here's all of these amazing illustrations I did this last year. And some of them are covers they did for Marvel and DC, and they'll put them in the book and sell the book. Right. Marvel and DC cracked down on them and said, well, Marvel did and said, we have a new program for this. And if you <laughs> want to do it, you have to let us print your sketchbook. And they don't make, they, there's the margins are shit. Yeah. yeah. So they don't want to do it. Remember, remember that one year we met that one guy? I won't name him in case he doesn't want to be named, but remember at Baltimore, uh, Brad? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I got to sell these cheap because I can't sell them anymore after this con. Yeah. And I'm not going to go with Marvel. But Greg, is it Greg Horn? Greg Horn, yeah. The, the, he, the painter does the, a lot of very sexy stuff. Yeah, he's, he sells those prints, kind of like the guys that sell fan art. But he's an official Marvel guy, and he just sells prints of all of his covers. And mm. I'm sure that he's worked out a licensing deal with them. And he makes bank at those shows. Because he, he's got people lined up, and fr- I, I exhibited across the aisle from him one year, and it was just—it <laughs> was just amazing. There was never that, not somebody in front of his his uh, booth. Remember that terrible Wizard World Austin we went to, where the place oh. was empty because everyone was in front of his booth. Scott, that was exactly one year ago today. Because I don't know whether you're getting into time hop, but I'm, I am. I, I'm going through too. my all my tweets, and I'm seeing all these. Come out and see us at Austin. Come out and see us. At yeah. And I can I can hear the desperation of my tweet. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know. Well, it's I, and I think that's the that's the you know when people say adapt or die. I mean, first of all, I think that that's a ridiculous thing to say to people when you're when you're attending an event where the you know the event is beyond your control because of the show promoters. And especially with new show promoters, the only thing you can do is not attend. And that's actually something that we've been doing a lot of. I mean, we cut down from like three years ago, we did like 10 shows a year. Yeah. I think last year we did seven. I think next year we're going to do five. Same here. Same. I used yeah. To do, and I used it, you to just got to cut it back. Year, and last year I did two. Because same thing. I just, I just couldn't justify it anymore. Yeah, you can't. That's the smart thing to do, right? And and it look, it's twofold. You got to have the the exhibitors got to make decisions to not go to certain shows, and uh, the show promoters have to make decisions to balance out their show floor and what they've got. I I think that um, Emerald City does a really good job in in Seattle. They do a really good job of of kind of dividing up the show floor, and that mm-hmm. that convention center is sort of made for it, right? Right. So you've kind of got like a comic area and then you kind of got like a big brand area and you've got like a media area and it's sort of divided up in a way in which if somebody's walking through your area, you can you can almost tell right away by looking at them if it's if it's 
you know, someone who's actually interested in your product, as someone who's actually interested in your stuff, or somebody that you could introduce to your product who actually gives a shit about what you're doing, right? Yeah. Um, I think that more show promoters need to do that. And I think the good ones are. Like, I think that that the good exhibitors are adapting and the good show promoters are adapting. And everything else coming in the industry is just a flood of trying to make money off of these new fans, these new attendees. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think you're right. And I think Demonakis does a good job. I still think, although I had to skip it this year, I think Baltimore is a good show. There are good shows out there. I think Sheldon, I think Jim, I think Mark Nathan. They, I, th- they I like the-, the Reed shows, personally. I like Reed, Reed Pop. Mm. I, mean, I don't, I don't mm. care for New York Comic Con, but that's because I don't care for New York and the clientele there sucks. <laughs> I like. I, listen, I've met the guys at Reed. I I, 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 like them on a personal basis. Uh, the, the one thing I could never get past is that when you buy a booth at Reed, you show up and you've got an empty space. You don't even get a table or a chair. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, that has always been ghetto, low rent BS to me. Wait a minute, is that every Reed show or just New York? I, I don't know. I, I, it I, might just be New York because those kind of deals get made with the, like the show promoter has to make a deal with the convention center and with the unions. I, and there's more than one union within a convention center, which I think people forget. You've got, uh, you know, usually uh, the Freeman and then you've got the, uh, um, uh, what's the big, like the big union that everyone's a part of it. Uh, it any workers in the world are part of it. What is it called uh, in America? See, uh, well, Geez, all I can think of is like CWA, United, uh, uh, the Teamsters. Teamsters, there we go. Yeah, so you got Teamsters and you've got Freeman. And then usually you've got a different, a whole separate different union oh, who's well, running yeah, electrical car- services or phone. Carpenters Union. Uh, yeah, you're gonna exactly. Have a carpenters so you have, Union, you're going to have an electrician's union. They're, they're going to have a, you're right, Corey, there's going to be tons of different uh, unions involved. And I don't know whether I, I, I'm going back deep catalog here. I, and, and I seem to have a recollection of the guy saying, well, these are how all the read shows are handled, but I don't know that for a fact. So I, I do know. Cause there are some shows that are Freeman and some that are GS. Maybe that's just uh New York, but that's yeah. one thing it, I always left a bad taste in my mouth. It's always difficult. Right. And that's, that's a, that's what I mean by show promoters have these two, audiences to uh to try and appease right the exhibitors and the fans and i think i think now the one thing that we haven't talked about with shows is is the change in fan attendance and we've touched on it a little bit but i think um there's been a massive change in who's coming to these shows well i I hate there's been a big shift between the idea of being a creator (laughs) and being a curator in other words my mic on you, oh, I'm sorry, Scott. Did I talk over you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm all excited because I actually got something to say. <laughs> Whoa! I was trying to be you. <laughs> Is that how annoying I am? <laughs> no, I said. He, he said sorry. a change in the audience, and I said I hate him. And then you kept talking. And I go, wow, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now, who? I mean, who do you define? Define who you're hating that are. That I was joke. It was a joke. I was oh, see if you I got sky mauled. Is what you're saying is you got sky mauled. <laughs> Go ahead, Brad. <laughs> now you need to mumble in the uh, background. I'll yes, do it as yes, an outtake. I'll, 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 uh, I'll go on and let you mumble. 
Uh, no, it, it, the idea between being a curator and being a creator, it used to be if you were a creator, you could, you could do really well. And now the people that are doing well are the curators. And, and, and even the audience is, is curators. In other words, they don't want to have the t-shirt. They want to come up and take a picture of the t-shirt or they want to bring their and friends then blog over about it. and point to the t-shirt. And, yeah. and it's a pervasive idea now that it isn't about having the thing. It's about being able to curate this stuff. It's, it's all social media. You know, that's kind of an interesting thing to bring up, too, that, that is tying into these conventions is the difference between, uh, I, I, I want to say, a creator and a content provider. Um, I think there is a difference between a person who is providing content, who is curating, who is, you know, uh, I can't think of a good example without some group of people just f- firing hate at me. But, you know, the, it's it's the it's the semantic question of like somebody who makes Let's Play videos on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, arguably they're creating something. But are they creating something? What are they doing? They're providing commentary over a game that they play. Or maybe they're really, really good at the game. Or maybe they're right. applying tricks to the game. It's like, so you have you have like 50 different people who all play Mario Kart once a week and then put up a YouTube video about it. And they all each have their own audiences. Yeah. And yeah. they're Crazy coming to these shows. I, but they're not coming to exhibit. They're coming as attendees. And then they're doing events at these shows. So they're coming as an attendee. And then and then tweeting to their fans like, "Hey, I'm going to be in lobby fill in the blank, and we're going to do a blah blah blah." So it's oh, like, really? Yo, yeah. So the official exhibitors like, we pay thousands and thousands of dollars to set up a booth, and you know, a, a random blogger or, or YouTuber or just in some cases like Vine person or just social media personalities just showing up in a lobby and going, "Hey, everybody, meet me." Yeah. Wow. Huh. Wow. And they're not so they, technically they're poaching. In other words, they didn't they didn't even pay uh, uh, to get a, a booth. The first the f- yeah the first let's play guy I met was at PAX when we were doing that um, Gauntlet uh, event where we were playing oh, the yeah. game Gauntlet. One of the participants Gauntlet. was a guy who streams video game let's plays. Oh. Super popular guy. Wow. He's the web he's the web comics. Uh, for web comics where we're like who are these people what do they do i don't understand yeah right i guess I, you, you know play what's a funny is i can't and you i can't remember his name he he um he makes uh like review videos of of games like he reviews video games but he does kind of funny videos about it he has like a green screen set up and he does funny and interesting things. You know? Well, the, the and, guy I'm familiar with, and my he's kids. got a character, right? Like, yeah, he plays, he, like, it's, it's oh, kind of how so Stephen angry, Colbert, oh, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, kind of how Stephen Colbert is playing this sort of right wing fanatic, right? This conservative, yeah. this guy is playing like the angry gamer essentially. Oh, god, yeah, he's super angry while we're playing. Then afterwards, he's like, hey man, that was really cool to meet you, and blah blah blah. <laughs> Up there, stream with him, and the whole time we were thinking, what a asshole this guy is and as soon as we got off stage and the, the camera wasn't running anymore he's like hey man that was so much fun thank you so much that was great and we, we both just went what the hell just what just happened here like yeah, we weren't aware of his persona going in well, well I, I, don't know I mean i think we, that i don't know what we got solved today but <laughs> uh well look i i think it's a multifaceted thing that that deserves more discussion and i think we should maybe get some people on and talk about it i mean I, I think the average attendee who's online getting mad at Dorman's wife doesn't understand what you know what's going on with the show. And and I think that attendees 
uh, you know, are, are changing dramatically. You have, you know, curators, content providers, and creators, and the line is getting blurred, and they're all attending, and not all of them are attending as exhibitors. You've also got like a huge uh, cosplay scene happening, which I've never had an issue with, and, and I, I think neither does Dorman's wife or really anybody has an, has an issue with, especially when you consider that a, a lot of these people cosplaying, that's their career, it's their life. You know what I mean? They do it for money. These aren't just like fans dressing up. These are people that like, this is what they do full time. Um, and, uh, you know, and then you've got exhibitors who the whole adapt or die thing. It's like, we are adapting. It just, it takes us years to get there and fans move faster than we do. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If there's a solution. I think it's just a, it's just a changing industry, and it's going to keep changing. And I think I think we are adapting. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time. Surviving creativity. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I was going to say, have we ended yet? <laughs> what is the out for this one? Look, I we just know. wrapped up. Uh, we all just wrapped up. It's a been huge a long time season. since we've talked. We're forgetting yeah. how it works. We're forgetting how well, to bring it you know in for landing. What's funny too is conventions. There's so many conventions now. Remember when convention season used used to be like, kind of like the summer. The summer, yeah. Now it's and it's not that way anymore. Now no. it's like it's like all year round, man. It Our first ends. con is in January, and we end in October. So we only have like two months off now, and there's a con at least once a month, if not every other month or every couple of weeks. It's yeah. bad. You if you want to up. do them all, you can't do. Them well, all. yeah, and again, like that's why we're cutting back, right? Um, everyone should cut back i think you know i think that might be part of it i think that exhibitors need to take some responsibility for this changing convention culture and they need to make some decisions like you don't have to go to every con and it's okay your fans are not going to be pissed at you if anything the cons you go to you're going to have a heavier concentration of people who want to see you because you're not spread so thin and i'm telling you i i my mental that my mindset has been stay home and do things that uh, are good for your kickstarter supporters and do things that are good for your patreon supporters and it's yeah it's been i mean i think a that's a much the, better mindset to get into that's the thing that i think creators forget sometimes and that fans typically just don't understand is like scott was talking about earlier i mean there's weeks of prep plus the show then a few days to decompress schedules just go off the rails yeah i know ours did yeah I mean, we were we were two months ahead going into convention season and came out easily two weeks behind mm-hmm. there's just nothing you can do it just happens you're on the road the whole time but and you can bring as much as you want to work oh. you're, it's not going to be good no it's, it's not going to happen you, you go in with the best intentions over and over yeah you bring all your gear and you're like i'm going to go back to the hotel room and work after then it's just not going to happen yeah. you're going to end up at a meeting or a dinner or or better yeah i mean that that's the other thing is that how often you get a chance to see your friends out there and and it's yeah, much well, nicer yeah. to stop and get a beer with a buddy you haven't seen for a few months and and stuff like that you know, and you have to walk the floor and, and figure out what uh, what the new pop culture thing is so you can uh, put it on a t-shirt with the other new pop culture thing. That, a little bit of that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this week on Surviving Creativity. Remember, this show is made possible by listeners like you. If you like what you heard, please go on to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and consider becoming a patron. Also, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Just search Surviving Creativity on iTunes and you can subscribe to our podcast. You'll get an update every time there's a new episode. Thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next week on Surviving Creativity.